Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Andy. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. I had Chick-fil-A today, Andy. Whoa, you must be really good then. You must be... You're on cloud nine. Flying high. Yep. That's wonderful. That's... That's... um, it's it's good to, to have these in these days in these times, Patrick, to get some yeah. Chick Fil A to get some of that 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 chicken goodness. Now tell me what did did you make any changes to the sauce selection you had today? Did you just go with the standard uh, barbecue Chick Fil A sauce, or t- tell me how that went today? What were your choices? Um, yes, I got the well, I got the the chicken tenders like I normally mm. do. Okay, <clears throat> debated. I, 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 I fluctuated between should I get the sandwich or should I get the, the chicken fingers? That was the hardest decision today. Got the mm. chicken fingers. And then um, and then I just got, I got, you know, they sell the little bottles, the eight ounce bottles of sauce now at the restaurant. Really? So I was like, yeah, you can get the little eight ounce bottles of Chick-fil-A, any of the sauces. The Polynesian what? sauce, the Chick-fil-A sauce, the barbecue sauce. Um, I don't know if the... Honey roasted barbecue sauce is in a box yet, but um, or in a, not in a box, but in a in a in a, a bottle. bottle yet. So I mm-hmm. I just went with the Chick Fil A sauce today, just mm. regular old Chick Fil A sauce because you can't go wrong there. Absolutely not. That stuff is it is nectar. Uh, that's awesome. Yep. That's that's really interesting. Um, good choices, definitely on the uh, the strips. <laughs> I think the strips are important. I kind of struggle, Patrick. I kind of struggle with the sandwiches. <laughs> I think they're good. Like it's the same chicken. It's great chicken and everything. But I, f- I feel like the bread and the, that one little pickle gets in the way. I just want the chicken to go, you know, directly into my tummy, and, and I have to like chew bread with it. And it's it's just not as as good as <laughs> dipping the chicken directly into the sauce and you know consuming it. So, I. I kind of agree with you. That's, that's sort of why I went with the the chicken strips today, or the yeah. tenders, or the or the fingers, whatever whatever you call them in your region of the world, <laughs> right? Um, but I I do so if I get the chicken sandwich, I'm a minimalist chicken sandwich eater, so I don't do the lettuce and tomato and the cheese and all that stuff, which is part of the reason why I like Chick Fil A. But I also don't like <laughs> the texture of pickles very much. <laughs> so I remove the pickle. So basically, when I get a chicken sandwich at Chick Fil A, it's literally just, it's it's literally just the chicken with the bread, and that's it. And then I put, I take the lid off, and I put the Chick Fil A sauce on the sandwich. Yeah. <clears throat> or the honey roasted barbecue, or the whatever I put. I just put that right on the sandwich. Okay. And then so, I don't worry about. It. Then I don't have to dip. Yeah. It's already there. So that, that does make sense. So with, with that, you, you're not dipping. You're just, you just get to straight up consume that chicken. You don't have to worry about that dipping. Yeah. Um, with, I, with the bread is sort of like, uh, like a, like the way to hold it. Exactly. It's the, you can't it's hold the, like a chicken breast in your hand. That's weird. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> so, so if you want to be efficient in dipping and let's say you're, you're in a situation where you just don't really want to get sauce everywhere. Cause you know, that's that's how you eat with Chick Fil A. If you're if you're just eating it open, open air chicken with the dipping, you're gonna get <laughs> sauce everywhere because it's just so good, right, Patrick? So, yeah. if you want to be a little bit more careful about the clothes you're wearing that day, um, maybe maybe you're eating a sandwich while driving. Who knows? You go with the you go with the bread and the chicken and the sauce inside. I yeah. think that that makes a lot of sense. 
and and um, to be to be clear with your last comment, uh, I just want to make I just want to disclose that Design Much podcast does not encourage people to eat a sandwich while they're driving. <laughs> we just want to make sure that's clear. That's true. That's that's true. <laughs> I, I think it happens sometimes, Patrick. Um, yeah. But we we, we should we should say it, you shouldn't do it. You you, re- you really yeah. shouldn't go to a Chick Fil A and sit down and enjoy your freaking chicken as it it, sh- it deserves to be enjoyed. Right? You should yeah. not be just eating it on the fly like that. You and gotta if, respect if you the can't, chicken. Yeah, and if you can't hit the restaurant because the restaurant is closed, you know, for the COVID rule or something like that, if sure. you can't hit the restaurant, just go through the drive-thru, grab the sandwich, sit in the parking lot, crack open the window, and turn yeah. on the Design Much podcast and enjoy your chicken. <laughs> like, don't be dangerous like and be driving like around trying to, you know, shove food in your mouth. <laughs> so... Yeah, you, yeah. So you can stop. Um, you can go to a, a beautiful park and just, you know, take in... Just take in what it's like to, to feel the September sun, hear the leaves go through the trees, pop, pop design much in one of your ears, um, mm-hmm. and then eat some Chick-fil-A with Chick-fil-A sauce. And you're going to be in just a different reality at that point. Like yeah, I, I'm describing a, <laughs> like a high level of consciousness. At that point. <laughs> exactly. Like you're going to be one, you know, that, you know, that whole concept of of energy and connected to the oneness of nature and humanity. Yeah, like yeah. that's where you're going to sit. And rarely, <laughs> rarely, I mean, there's only, that's a rare human being that gets to sit in that that's even true. for a few minutes, you know? <laughs> so you might as well take it. Might as well enjoy it. <clears throat> you really should. I think that's, that's, that's a wise, wise advice for sure. And I think if you, if you're really in a jam, you want to solve a design problem and it's just killing you. You just put all of those puzzle pieces together, make that experience for yourself and you're going to be, <laughs> in a state of mind that's going to be just transformative and it's going to solve um, most of your problems. Not, not, not all of them. We can't say that Patrick, but most of your, your problems, especially in the design world. So yeah, uh, yeah. just, just, <laughs> just follow that advice and you should be in a, a great, great shape. You will sure. definitely be in a higher <laughs> spiritual plane to then turn around and be able to tackle the problems that arise. So yeah, I think, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. I mean, that's what I do. That's what I did today. Yeah. That's why that's why I'm in such a good mood today, you know? Yeah. So But exactly. I did we do need some new topics for the podcast, right? Andy, we need do always. we need more topics from our audience? I think we always do. We we definitely always want those fresh topics just like we want fresh Chick-fil-A chicken. We we <laughs> want that stuff fresh. Um so please send us your topics. Yeah, Please. you got some topics, send them in, uh, tweet them, LinkedIn them. Yeah. Uh, DM Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can DM me, I guess, too. Uh, you can send them to, you can go to the website, designmuch.org, and just go through the contact page. Yeah. There's a little There's a little form there you can fill out and say, I have some topics. Um, we get a lot of, we get a lot of people in the, in the, in the form sending us, hey, do you, Put, put articles on your website i'd like to write a development article on your website and i'm like no that's not a topic but uh we like topics in there um yeah well let's get into a topic we need more topics so send us your topics but let's get into today's topic what is today's topic andy other than yeah. chick-fil-a uh, <laughs> today is a <clears throat> chick-fil-a sponsored topic um comes from a friend of the show jake madsen actually he sent us uh, an interesting nice. topic uh and it it's not really written in the form of a question, so I wonder if 
I wonder if he wants to know if we agree with this or not, Patrick, but I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, so Jake writes in to say, it's really, really, really important to know who you are so you can be effective at what you want to accomplish. Ooh, I like that statement. I how do many too. Reallys did, how many reallys did, was that three or four reallys? That was that was three reallys, actually. Three reallys. Yeah, which means, which means business, I think. Um, yeah. And as I've talked to Jake in the past, um, he doesn't use really like like too much. I think he uses it when he when he really means something, Patrick. So yeah, and he he's not the type like he doesn't throw reallys around at all. Yeah, you know? exactly. But so to throw three reallys into one <laughs> sentence, that's you know it's hot. if he would have gone four, I wouldn't have taken him seriously because four seems like four seems like okay now you're just being. Um, What's the word? Is it pedantic? Is that what sure. it is? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you're throwing four on there. You're, 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 okay, now you're just messing around. But three, three means business. Go ahead and read that topic again because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, got stuck, I got stuck somewhere in between the first really and the third really. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Re- it's really, really, important. really, really, it's <laughs> it's really, really, really important to know who you are. Is that what is that? Yeah, I missed something at the end. Uh, there is a little bit more. So yeah, it's really, okay. really, really important to know who you are, so you can be effective at what you want to accomplish. Yes, being effective. This is true. This is true, Andy. I, I think it's I I think I I totally agree. I love this statement. Um, I'm not sure what what he wants to know about this, but I think we can talk about it, right? Like, I think we can apply this statement to a lot of different facets in design, in terms of, I guess, starting out who you are as a designer, what it is that you actually want to accomplish. And I think we've talked mm-hmm. about that in in this podcast before, um, kind of figuring out what you want with your career. What what are you doing at a company um, other than just, you know, putting pixels on a screen? What what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish? And uh, what what Jake is saying here is it's important to know who you are so that you can be effective at being able to accomplish that sort of thing. So, yeah. What's a designer, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> who, who who are designers? Who are we even? Should we have an well, exe- existential crisis really quick? Just, just yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been I've been having an existential crisis for like four years, three years. Okay, okay, something like that. I've been in the midst of it. I've been in the throes. But you know, I think I think um, designers. I think we have we have a unique sort of luxury in the work that we do. Like if you were if you were. Um, I th- there's no, there's there's not a ton of I mean there's probably a lot I guess but we're in a job where we can affect other people with the work that we do right yeah and absolutely. there's lots of jobs that do that um, but like I think from a design you know as a designer we the work that we do can change behavior enhance behavior it can make behavior worse it can it can hurt people like it can improve their lives it can it can hurt their lives. It can make their lives worse. Like we, there, we have so much impact on, on the people who use our products, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the decisions we make sort of are meaningful that way, regardless of like what industry you're in, whether you're in the medical industry or you're in like, like the accounting industry or you're in the, you know, management industry or whatever you're in, whatever people your product is touching, you, you make an impact that way. And I think that's my first thought is going back to that when, with Jake's statement is like, if you kind of don't know who you are and what you want out of your career and what you want out of yourself, um, then you're going to have a harder time making the same kind of design impact you would if you understood that, right? Because maybe you're not in the right industry to impact people. Maybe you don't have the same passion you would versus another industry. Like, yeah. like for me, I, I, we're designing products. You know, at my work, I work on a product that we design a product for, a software product for accountants. And so, you know, do I have a thousand percent passion to improve accountants' lives? You know, maybe, maybe not as much as I would in another industry, but it is an industry that I care about. Mm-hmm. Right. And so being in an industry that I care about and I care about the people in that industry and improving their lives, you know, because these I, I think accountants suffer a lot in their jobs. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it does change like it, it does change the impact that you want to make on on them, on the product as a designer. And knowing that about myself, knowing that I want to make an impact on their lives, I think, you know, definitely helps. You know, put some passion and some drive and some everything else into my job. It makes me care about my job more. It makes my job feel like not a nine to five, but something that's part of my life, right? Yeah. And so that, that's absolutely true. I, I love that, that so much. It definitely helps. Definitely. So I, I really like what you're saying, like how if you really understand, um, at least what I'm interpreting you're saying, if you really understand the impact you have on the the users, the people that you serve as a designer. Um, it's really going to help you understand your purpose, right? It's really going to help you understand um, all those little decisions you make along the way actually affect people in good or bad ways. And and you can see that too. And it's, it's, it's really, I love that about this job where you can actually, there, there are many points when you're talking to users and gaining that empathy with them where you understand their pains and you also can understand how the things you're doing can um, contribute to those pains and the things that you're doing can contribute to like alleviate those pains and make their lives easier. That's something I absolutely saw as um, a designer. It's something I see now as a designer at Adobe. It's something that I saw a lot as well as a designer at Canopy um, working in, in that industry. As you said, those, those users do suffer, right? They, they have the, the work that they have to do, you know, those, those tax professionals, working like um, doing, you know, that tax preparation for, um, for the, uh, sorry, the kind of that, that whole season um, is so like so much work. It's so challenging. And it's sometimes they're just like, they go get a hotel room and they don't see their families, you know, for months because they're just working like for 12 hour days, like crazy because they have to do so much paperwork and so much filing and so much, um, of this yeah. this job that's so hard for them, and as as we worked on the design team to create solutions to make their lives better, to make their work processes more efficient, I I could see like how they're actually saying like, okay, this this is going to save me so much time. I might actually be able to go home and see my family. You know, <laughs> like I can actually. Yeah. Um, this is going to change my life in a little way, right? But it's gonna it's gonna make an impact. Um, to the way I work to make my life easier. And 
it's amazing how you can see that change. So it's, it's really important to kind of know how you can make, how you can affect that change as a designer. So I love that you're saying that. Um, I, I think yeah, this that statement can, that can happen in, in any, like I just, that example of canopy, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to focus on that, but that can happen in any industry, right? Those yeah. little tiny efficiencies that you create as a designer, you know, in your product can help people do their jobs better so that they can focus on the right things. Right. Um, and spend more time with what they're doing. And, you know, they have passions too. They, you know, they're passionate about their jobs and their work. And so in, in any industry that you work in as a designer, you're making an, you're making an impact that way. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand what, what kind of impact you actually want to make. Yeah. And we, we have a lot of potential with, as, as UX designers in the software industry, we have a lot of potential to make big impacts as well. Because, you know, we're still in an age where technology is disrupting things, where it's um, kind of taking the old things and bringing in new ideas and new ways of doing things. And we, we have an opportunity to really make change. And, and of course, those small ways and those small interactions we design every day, but also in, in big ways, we can, you know, help create a solution that can actually totally reinvent, you know, um, different products, you know, different industries. And so we do have, again, the potential to make those small changes as well as big changes to those um, individuals in this industry. So it's, it's really, it's really awesome, you know, being in tech and being able to do that. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely great. I think this, this um, statement that Jake has um, kind of brought in as well, makes me think of, uh, you know, like when, when you're leaving the house and you're a kid, Patrick, and you're leaving the house and you're, you're walking out the door to go hang out with your friends or something. And your mom says like, remember who you are, <laughs> uh, you know, something along those lines, um, you know, make the right decisions while you're out there. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think this kind of makes me think about that as well. Like as a designer, uh, you, you own that user perspective. You, you have to bring that into a company and you have to make a, a lot of decisions and you have to like own a lot of things that that is is easy to like kind of not think about at times, like um, not fight for the user when when somebody else is trying to really, um, you know, bring in more of, of what the business needs and not really what the user needs. Right. So you can kind of forget those things sometimes as, as a designer. And I think this this statement kind of, as you said, again, let me pull it up again. Um, it's, it's really important to know who you are so you can be effective at what you want to accomplish. So you are a designer, right? So it's, it's important to know why it's important. Okay. That was a bad sentence. It's important to know, <laughs> it's important to know, um, what designers really bring to the table, like why it's important to, to be a designer, why it's important to have a designer at a company because you are the one that's responsible for bringing those things to the company. And you can sometimes forget those things. <laughs> you can sometimes forget to fight for the user or maybe not speak up to fight for the user. Um, but if you are remembering what, what you can accomplish as a designer, if you do speak up for the user, uh, then you're going to remember at each one of those decision points um, when you're in a project that you can do the designer thing, the, the thing the designer should be doing. Uh, you should be doing the right research, not just throwing some spaghetti at the wall and shipping it. You should be testing your your solutions um, and you should be doing all of this in a non-biased way, right? So that you can make sure that you're getting the right data to help you make the right decisions. 
So we can sometimes forget our way and not do those, those sort of important practices as designers. Um, but if we know the importance of those practices, if we know what we're supposed to be doing as designers, um, at each little decision point, at each little interaction we have with our, our stakeholders, with the users, we can remember to make the right decisions and to do the right thing that a designer should do. So I think, again, just going back to that, that statement, know who you are. Um, mm -hmm. You are a designer. You should be the designer and the designer does these things. <laughs> so don't forget to do these things. Right. Yeah. Go going back to your question, you asked me, I'm going to ask you the question. What is the purpose of a designer? Um, <laughs> what, what is the purpose of designer? Like specifically at a company, you know, like a SaaS company or like, yeah. what's the point? I think, I think the designer has like a lot of different points. I think one of the most important points to the, to the company view of things is the designer, as I said, should bring that user perspective. They should be the one going out there and talking to users, getting that empathy and um, finding and uncovering those problems that they can help solve for. And then trying to align those problems or those potential solutions with those of the business, right? So, the designer really is um, bringing the user perspective to the company. Um, of course, there are other individuals in the company that are always talking to users. Um, there's those sales individuals, um, customer success or you know customer service individuals that do have that perspective. But from the designer side of things, we really get to talk to them from a different way that they are. They're not. We're not worried about selling them something. We're worried about solving their problems. Um, so I think that's that's the kind of one of the important things that we bring to the company is the user perspective. And I think another thing that we bring to the user is uh, solutions. We bring them solutions that kind of come from the company side of things, like solutions that the company can enable for a user, right? So we need to be able to solve for the, both of those um, not uh, not problems, but for both of those areas, we need to solve for the user and the business and find a happy medium in terms of a solution. So I think we bring that um, to a company and I think we bring that to a user um, as a designer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I always like to think about it, and like you talked about, I always like to think about it if you removed a designer from a company, what would you have left? You would have... Yeah. You would have a product team that's building something specifically for the business and specifically for a technical problem need, right? Like mm -hmm. you'd have, you'd have, you sort of have like the PM side, the product management side deciding what is important for the business. How can we make money, right? How can we get something out to the public that can make money to this particular set of users, right? This archetype of people generally being like there's a problem like the accounting space or the education space or the project management space right it's like yeah let's let's create a let's let's find a problem in there and see if we can solve it with technology right and mm -hmm. make money from it right like that's that's really what drives a business and then you have developers who are building the technology side of it which is solving the problem with technology right yeah and i think you can do a lot of things like like a lot of people make great impact without any designer whatsoever, just by like simply moving an on-prem software to a cloud service. Like that problem in and of itself, 
that that solution in and of itself solves a problem for a lot of users, right? Yep. So right there, you could build a company off of just doing that simply. Like we're just a cloud-based whatever and all of our competitors are on-prem. So like that's really great. But when you subtract the user or when you subtract the the designer, you, you subtract who you're designing for, right? And you subtract their needs, their wants, what they do every day, um, those kinds of things. And then that's where I think you, you miss two things in my mind when you subtract the user. You miss usefulness of a product and mm-hmm. you miss the ease of use of a product. Those are the two key things in my mind, usefulness and ease of use. So really that's what we do, right? And we do it from a user perspective. We look at the user and say, okay, is our product actually useful to you? Because if it's useful to you, it's obviously gonna be useful to the business because we could sell it to you, right? So if you made, if you solved a problem, but it wasn't necessarily useful, then you're not really solving the problem, right? Yes, exactly. If you, if you solve a problem, but it's difficult to use from a, like an ease of use standpoint, then you're probably not gonna make as much money as a business from that from that product if it's if people you know like it needs to like solve the, it doesn't fully solve the problem again right yeah it's not useful and it's not that easy to use maybe they'll learn it and because maybe it's really useful you know they'll get over the ease of use but really like those are the two things we focus on as designers um and then all the design stuff goes into that right like the the prettiness the usefulness the the interactions, all that stuff goes into those two core things. And I think you can really see it when you remove it. Like the like design, the purpose of design is hard to sort of articulate until it's kind of gone almost. Yeah. You know, like when you're in it, it's almost hard to be like, hey, CEO, like this is what we do. We make things useful and we make things easy to use. And they're like, well, that's cute. You know? <laughs> But if you were if you were to remove that, <laughs> if you were to remove that, you'd actually find a lot of huge stumbling box if you didn't have it to selling a product, right? Like yeah. when you go to sell a product and you go to demo a product, if the product doesn't look good comparatively to your competition, they're probably not going to be that interested into hearing your message, right? Mm-hmm. So if it looks good and it looks professional and it looks, you know, the way it's supposed to, then they're going to want to hear more, right? If you give if you give a moose a muffin, stupid <laughs> analogy. But if you if you give them visual design, then they're going to be intrigued by it, right? And they're going to dive in a little bit more, and then they're going to realize that, oh dang, the that feature that you have like totally solves my problem. That's awesome. That's super useful to me. And yeah. then they're going to be like, yes, I want this. And then there's another one that's like that. And then once they actually purchase the product, right after seeing that it's professional and nice, and it's got a good presentation and it's clean. And it looks pretty, you know, I'm going to pay lots of money for this. So it better look decent. And then, oh, the features you have actually do solve my problems from a demo standpoint. Then they start using it, right? Then they buy your product and they start using it. And then what? You're like on a year contract, a month contract or something like that before they have to renew. They get in your project, they use it day in and day out. And they realize that it's like the easiest thing they've ever used. Comparatively, the, the great mystery of user experience design from this perspective is that, <laughs> is that it should really great UX design should be so usable and so easy to use that you don't recognize that it's easy to use. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And so the only thing you can compare it to is something that you knew was difficult, right? So if you get a new, so I, I get a demo, I buy the product, 
I bring it in and I start using it and then I'm comparing it to the last product that I used to use and being like, this is just so much better than that other one. That other one I had to click this and do this and blah, 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 right? And then you're like, okay, well, I nailed it. Then you renew, right? So on both ends of the spectrum, on the sales end of the spectrum and on the retention end of the spectrum from a business standpoint, user experience makes a huge impact from visual design to usefulness and then back to retention as far as like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to keep using this because it's so simple, Mm -hmm. right? So like if you didn't have that, like – you're going to you're going to struggle a little bit right to get it and maybe you get lucky like i said before maybe you're maybe you're, the whole premise of your entire product is just to solve this one technical issue and that's enough for the market that you're that you're you know moving into but it's 100% a user experience problem and if you don't have designers or even just people thinking about that right like you're not going to you're not going to create something that's that impactful yeah that's absolutely true i think for for like the the CEOs who say that's cute <laughs> when you like say like here's what I do as a designer I would love for them to be able to go through like kind of a it's a wonderful life so, sort of scenario like what is it like if if they don't have a designer like what does that world look like you know and yeah. and I think what you described is it right it's it's very much like um you you have a missing piece it's a very big missing piece you might be able to acquire customers based on that business um, idea that you have and the technical solutions that you've done, but you can't exactly retain them super well, especially if you're in a a market that's competitive. Your customers are going to go somewhere else that's going to be usable, that's going to be um, a a design that they don't have to think about too much, that they can just, um, you know, they they can just, you know, accomplish their goals really easily. Um, So the differentiator, uh, and again, that user perspective comes from design. And it also really reminds me, um, Patrick, I'm watching a show right now. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not. It's called Halt and Catch Fire. Yes. Yeah. I've uh, so pretty cool show um, for, for those of you um, listeners who maybe have not seen it. It's um, it's a show. It, it's not entirely based on reality. I think the initial was based on like a historical event when um, this kind of like takes place in the 80s when the computer industry is starting to really take shape and transform and it kind of follows these individuals who you know you know re-engineer an IBM computer and start their own computer company and then later on kind of figure out small things about the industry like that they're solving for like they're kind of discovering what the internet can shape up to be in in very small um, incremental ways and this this show is interesting to me as a designer because they don't actually have like interface designers really in this in this um, in these companies they have the engineers and they have the product managers and they're missing the designers and it's so interesting as as they're trying to find solutions they're they're finding these great business needs and they're solving the technical problems to support those business needs and they come out with these products that are like really cool like these computers and everything but they're they're their competitors in the field and i know this a lot of this is fictional but their competitors in the field are like differentiating themselves like there's this one episode where um they come out with this this new computer and it runs like you know the 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 basic um the uh, i guess it was ibm basic code or whatever and then they see the mac the first mac come out and it like has a graphical user interface and they've differentiated themselves very much 
based on experience and we, we know the history of, of Apple and, and how they've brought like experience design, like kind of really to the forefront, a lot of, um, to the, the, the technology industry. But that was just like, I, I see this and I keep saying, okay, you need, you guys really need a designer to find the user problems. And <laughs> they just really needed to help with that, those user problems and those interfaces to really help their products be better. Um, so it's funny, it's funny to see like how these, these engineers, the software engineers are kind of coming up with these ideas in this show. Um, and they're kind of stumbling onto ideas by kind of having some user interactions. Um, but what they really need is a designer to really talk to their users and find the real solutions to help them, you know, maintain their, their user base to, to give them the solutions they really need, all that sort of stuff that you just mentioned, Patrick. So that just made me think of, of uh, what, it, what it's like for, for companies who, who have that missing piece uh, of the designers and they, they definitely had it back then. They didn't really know that was a thing. They were just solving, solving those business and technical needs at the time because the market was so young, they didn't have too many other, um, companies to compete with, but then suddenly it started getting, you know, busy and crowded in these markets. So, um, yeah. that's where we, we start to realize, okay, we actually need to understand these users better so we can make sure we're solving for the right problems that, we make sure we have an interface that that's usable, um, that's ef efficient for them. So, um, that, that's what that's what your comment made me think of. Well, and it is interesting when you look at when you look at sort of patterns in the uh, you know computer science, computer development industry over the last thirty years, forty years, or whatever. Um, you know, Xerox hired a designer to create or come up with the the paradigm, the skeuomorphic paradigm of mimicking the desktop in a computer. Mm -hmm. That that was that that came from a designer, right? Like a designer's mind. Yeah. Um, you have you have things like Infinite Scroll, who you know we can debate if that's good or bad. That comes from a designer's mind. We have all of these interactions. We have like the iPhone or the iPod itself. You know, the, the original iPod itself that revolutionized MP3 players, you know, came from a designer. You know, these interactions come from a designer. They don't, yeah. they don't necessarily always come from a developer. They come from a designer's mind. Now, in some cases, these people may have been developers in, the, in and of themselves as well, right? People doing both things. And I think the interesting part about where we are at in the technology world now versus historically back in the 80s, and the 70s is they're, they're so focused back in the 70s and the 80s. And to, to I think this is what the show that show Hall and Catch Fire does a really good job of is they're trying to solve these big macro problems at the time. Right. Like mm -hmm. huge problems. Right. Like moving, moving what we do, what, like how we work to another way of working and seeing a technological possibility. Um you know, verse, it's kind of like Craigslist back in the day, right? It's like Craigslist was like a magazine, you know, like you'd get these, you'd get these like magazines or you'd get these books of like one ads, you know, and they're in the newspaper and Craigslist literally is just putting that into an, in, onto the web, like onto a website to just yeah. reach more people. Like there's no design to it. It looks just like, you know, it looks just like it did in a newspaper. <laughs> it's just a document, <laughs> essentially. So his job was doing that, and it's revolutionary just to take that macro idea. Well, a lot of those macro ideas have already been moved over to a technological platform, 
And so developers nowadays aren't thinking about or, or trained to think about products and businesses and stuff holistically like that anymore. And so they're focused on advancing the technology that we currently have and doing better, more efficient things. So all of their attention and all of their energy is more focused on that technology funnel rather than the product funnel, which it used to be back in the 70s and 80s. And so now you really do need people, sort of outside people to come in and help you with that, right? From a business standpoint. And I think that's, you know, that's why I think you see the rise of, you know, user experience designers, just design in general over the last, you know, decade is it's the designers or developers are now instead of, instead of thinking like back in the day and it like the developer who built like the Atari game, right? Like who worked at Atari, they'd hire a developer to design and build an Atari game. So the, yeah. the guy would come in, he would get hired and they'd say, okay, build a game. And the guy would have to go back and come up with an idea of a game. Like what, what is this game going to be? All this kind of stuff, right? Like, um, I go back to the story of the guy who invented the ET game for Atari. That's like the worst game ever. In, in fact, I like love the ET game. It's so fun. Have you but played like, it? He, yeah, we had it when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> but you, you know, he wanted to. He he was like he was like, oh, what if we could take this ET character and put it in a game form? And so he wrote the story. Like he wrote it all out. You know, he he wrote how ET was gonna you know get the get everything and you know like he wrote the adventure. He wrote the walkthrough. He designed all the characters, like he designed everything, and then he built the he like he built the damn thing, right? And and nowadays, we don't do that. Like you hire a game developer to build the most fast, efficient game ever, and you hire a game designer to build. Like you hire a character designer to design characters, yeah. and you hire a writer to write the characters, and you hire a writer to write the storyline, and you hire. You know, like it's so it's so much like the macro problem is solved. And now we're really we're really narrowed in and focused on the little tiny things. Right. To even be competitive in the market. And so, yeah, if you're if you're a SaaS company, if you're somebody like that, you know, you're building a company in software, you know, the web industry or something. Everybody's everybody's trying to build the best thing now because the macro problems have been solved for the most part. And so. Mm you got to bring on a designer who hopefully, you know, is trained well enough that they can, you know, is actually telling you like, Hey, that the idea that you have this product that you have, I don't think it's going to be useful to the user because the user and the buyer are doing this other thing. You haven't looked at them that way. Right. So let's tweak the product just slightly, you know, this product idea you have slightly so that it becomes actually useful for them and let's make it look nice. Right. So it's presentable and professional and also let's make it easy to use so they can use it. And, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a honed in specific skill now that if you kind of don't have it, you know, you, like, it's like, it's like when Alan Cooper wrote the, the, the medium article a couple of years ago about the ROI, he's tired of hearing the ROI of design. Like if you don't know what the ROI of design is by now, you're never going to get it. And yeah. I feel like that's <laughs> the point, right? Like to, like what you brought up, like it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Are there CEOs? Are there leaders? Are there, you know, PMs out there? Are there people out there that don't understand what UX is for sure? 100%. Um, but they all have UX designers. If you were to take those UX designers away, I think they would figure out within a year or two what what the value of 
you know, what the purpose of what we do is. Yeah. And I think that's, it's the same struggle a designer has. And I think that's why Jack's bring, uh, Jake, Jack, Jake's bringing it up um, is, you know, you have to know who you are as a designer to make that effective. You have to mm-hmm. know what your role is because it's too easy to be like, it's too easy to get caught up in the business side of the, you know, the company. It's too easy to get caught up in the technical side of the company and forget sort of like what your purpose is, you know? And I've seen designers get too caught up in that and just be like focused on, you know, they get requirements from the PM and they get sort of requirements from the developer and they design a UI. Yeah. It's like, that's not your job, dude. That's not yeah. your job. That's, that's part of your job. Your job is to help define those requirements and design something like that's your job is to facilitate that process and make sure that you're, you're building something useful and correct for the user. And so I think, yeah, you have to, you have to know who you are um, so that you can even do your job effectively. Like you just fulfill your job title for the company. I agree. That's very well said. No, Patrick, I think at the beginning of this, I said we were going to have a mini existential crisis, but I don't think we did. I think we did the opposite of that. I think we, we proved <laughs> why design is important and what design is. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of existential crisis is. Um, existential need? I don't know. I don't but know. We, not a I crisis. It's definitely not a crisis. I think we, <laughs> we, we, we told the world why they should have design and... Uh, I think, I think you did, you put that very well. So I think, I think too, if you're a designer and you're not, let's say, I would say like every other week I get jaded slightly and go, what are designers even worth anything? Like, what are we actually doing? Like, I feel like, I feel like I go through this quite a bit. Do you really though? Like I, so I hear people that say they have these, these crises as designers (laughs) I don't get it, Patrick. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like that's the way I look at the world. Like I see like just the good uh, that design brings. But why is it that you sometimes <laughs> wonder why why you should exist as a designer? Well, some sometimes, and this I think this happened through my whole career. Sometimes I look at design. Like sometimes I've thought like we're getting away with something here. Like. <laughs> <laughs> not like not like imposter syndrome, but like literally yeah. like we're taking money from a company. Like I, sometimes I feel like, like they don't like, like we've tricked them. We've tricked them into thinking that they need design. Right. (laughs) I think about, and it goes back to what you brought up with like the, it's a wonderful life thing is like, I think, I think designers do this to themselves, you know, like sometimes designers need, need to go through the, it's a wonderful life uh, (laughs) moment themselves. And it happens to me more often maybe than other people. Cause maybe I'm just, overanalyzing things but i think in the last couple years i've thought you know to me i've often thought like are we like what are they paying me to actually do here (laughs) you know like is is this something that is important right and it sort of pops up and then i kind of worry about it and then i think through it you know and then and then i come up with what we talked about basically every time i come up with the same thing every time it's like yeah well if they didn't have us they would have an unuseful product that is difficult to use you know or potentially difficult to use now could they get lucky and and roll the dice and get lucky and create something like that for sure 100% yeah. 
you know, but they're going to have to get lucky. But with us as designers, they don't have to, we can mitigate that luck and actually design something with purpose. Exactly. So I go right back to it, right? It's just a dumb thought, but it's like, it's like, yeah, sometimes, and I'm sure every industry does it, you know, every industry probably like, well, what's the point, you know, except for engineering. Engineering is probably the only, (laughs) the only career at like a software company where it's like, (laughs) they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Like, they know their purpose 100%, you know. Um, but yeah, sometimes I meet a developer who's a better designer than I am, which is fantastic. You know, sometimes you work with a developer like, dude, that guy would probably design a better product than me. Yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> you know, like he, he can design a product and he's got the skills to build it. Like, geez, you might as well just keep him, you know. But then again, you go back to, well, he that particular individual can't do that sustainably. Yeah. Um, you know, feature after feature after feature. And so, you know, you quickly realize like, oh no, there, there is a reason, you know, I do have a purpose, Andy. You do. I do have a purpose. You absolutely have a purpose. And I almost wonder, Patrick, if, if every time I wonder if there should be like a, a design motto, you know, like the boy Scouts motto where it's like, <laughs> I'm brave, loyal, kind, or something like that. Should we, should we make like a, a UX design motto that every time you start to have those doubts and you're you're not sure why you're getting paid to do this awesome job, maybe you can kind of recite this motto to re- help you remember <laughs> what design yeah. is all about. Do we need do we need like a manifesto? <laughs> oh, maybe we need a. I like I like the idea of a manifesto better. That sounds better than a motto. Yeah, motto what sounds like I'm joining you... a club. Yeah, motto sounds motto sounds cheesy. Manifesto sounds legit. <laughs> Manifesto even borders the line of like across the line of like creepy even, you know, because like serial yeah. killers have a manifesto, you know, <laughs> <Do they? laughs> so like, 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 yeah, we need, we need, some, we need to like go rent a cabin in the woods and, and spend three days coming up with a manifesto and then we'll release the manifesto. Yeah. And then all designers will be like reciting it like robots. Yeah, I love that. You know? I think, I think we should go up to Snowbird, Patrick, and just rent some space. <laughs> and figure out the 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 designer manifesto and then it'll be a cult following after that like it's a way of life you know that they have to follow (laughs) we'll have all what so will it turn out like will we have like design masters like people who are just like that's all they do is show up like agile coaches yeah that's all they do is show up and be like process manifesto yeah process like design (laughs) process managers I love that. That'd That's be, a great. That'd be sweet. We could start think, a whole new industry here. I think we, we yeah, we've stumbled onto something really great here. We, we, can we get a picture of like the two of us too? Like, can we get a picture of the two of us standing together, looking like we're around a fire? We and should then put we that should. as the background of the manifesto page. <laughs> we should do that. And we should you, wear <laughs> button-up shirts and and uh, those those braided belts and tuck in our shirts and everything, khakis. so we look really legit. You know. Um. Yeah, with our khakis, I think that would really sell. So that's that's the cover of our of our manifesto. Uh, yeah. This is this is really nobody's interesting. done that before. No, Mm-mm. Uh, I, I really like this idea. Do you think we'd get more hits than the Agile manifesto? If we did probably because nobody knows what the word Agile means. You know, it's like so nebulous yeah. and weird. So Agile manifesto, design manifesto, that one. That, that one really a ring to it. Yeah. It does ring really nicely. It rolls off the tongue. So this is great. I, I think 
I hope none of our listeners steal this idea because I think we just found, we, we uncovered a, a problem, which is the design existential crisis, the designer existential crisis. How do we mm-hmm. solve this, Patrick, with the design manifesto? With a manifesto. This is Done. this is wonderful. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Okay. I'm gonna go look at uh, Airbnbs. It's Perfect. Numbered. Perfect. I'm gonna go um, get some khakis. Okay. Do it. Make sure you get pleated. Pleated. Not flat front. Yeah. You have to be pleated. I don't think you can think of a manifesto without without pleated khakis. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't think that's possible. Um, yeah. that's the missing piece. So yeah, well, I'll definitely find some, uh, do you want me to grab some for you too, Patrick? Yeah. Get, get some for me. All right. All right. Just, just get text me your size. Text me your belt. size. Okay. <laughs> 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 I haven't worn dockers in years, man. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to really do some great <laughs> solutionizing with dockers on for sure. <laughs> Okay, I'll go book us an Airbnb. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, sounds great. Let's do it right now. <laughs> okay, see you, Andy. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contact and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.